Welcome to Parkview. Uh, I'm, I'm trying to figure out a way to do a Queen song every week. So next weekend I'm preaching on bicycles. I want to ride my bicycle. Welcome, we're glad that you're here. Well, I should say Merry Christmas. Yeah, I figured. A lot of you aren't really, you know, from here. So here, here's the deal. We try to say, and also with you back to the pastor when he gets up, because, you know, I mean, most of you grew up Catholic, and you're like, man, I need some way to understand that this is still church, right? <laughs> Trans-Siberian queen, Chick-fil-A cow. Am I in church? Yeah, you are. It's fun church, but you're in church. But you want to feel at home, so we're going to go on also with you. You ready? Merry Christmas. Uh, Merry Christmas to those of you watching on the internet. We're really glad that you're here. I know that by this time we get to the, this point in the Christmas season, we're all, you know, we want to be happy, we want to be joyful, but we're all a little bit like these kids in this picture. I mean, that's really the way we feel. <laughs> Am I right? <laughs> I'm happy. <laughs> Uh, so we pull out all the stops here. That's what we do to try to help you celebrate uh, the joy of the season. And we're glad you're here. We may have overdone the fun a little bit this year because, honestly, I think we all needed it. I'm glad that the world did not end on Friday, personally. Um, yeah, I'm glad you're all here. Um, but honestly, with the, with the tragedy in Connecticut, with the personal things going on in many of your lives that I know are going on, had a funeral for a 16-year-old car accident victim on Thursday, it just feels like the world needs a lot of hope right now. Am I right? And um, I guess I know where to find the hope, so I'm really glad that you gathered here with us because I'm going to help you find the hope, and we're going to obviously use trees. Trees are important to the Christmas story. Everybody from Nat King Cole to Lady Gaga have sung about Christmas trees, although hers is a little different. Three people, Lady Gaga fans. If we didn't have Christmas trees, I mean, what would we do without Christmas trees? I mean, honestly, what would we do without them? What would your Christmas cards be like if you didn't have the Christmas tree in the picture? Here are some classics I've gathered from the Internet. How important was it that they had a tree when they looked like boxes? How about this? You always got a Cousin Eddie in your family, don't you? I mean, could you, you know, whatever. How about Elvis? You got to have Elvis so you can have a blue Christmas. I love this one. Let's put a funny hat on Grandma because she's not really here anyway. She has no idea what's going on. I, I, I don't even know what you do with some of these. I mean, that's just so weird. How about if you've got... A monkey and some great legs. That's awesome. Yep. I, one of these people is going to be here. I know it. Probably not this guy. Justin is not bringing sexy back. That's all I know. But at least he's got a Christmas tree. That's what I love. Okay? Because if you don't have a Christmas tree in the picture, look at how bad they are. They just don't turn out very well. Um, yeah. Or, or this one. I mean, see, if they had a tree and a life, this picture would be great. Right? That's all I need. Christmas trees are important in every way. They're important to our Christmas movies. My family and I watched It's a Wonderful Life last night. What would it be like without a Christmas tree to have the bell ring in, you know? Or what would, what would Charlie Brown be like if, if we didn't have that dead little Christmas tree? How about scenes from movies? The two classic Christmas movies of all time have great Christmas tree scenes. Look. 
it's hard to it's hard to nail down exactly where Christmas trees came from in the first place. We don't really know. It seems to go back to Renaissance period in Europe. Uh, earliest report we have of a Christmas tree is from 1570, uh, where they decorated trees with apples and nuts and pretzels and so forth. There's an interesting tie-in when I studied Christmas trees this week, just to try to figure out how this whole thing worked. There's an interesting connection to a tradition from the Renaissance period of Europe to a day they called Adam and Eve Day which was celebrated on December 24th, Adam and Eve Day. It was the day before Christmas. They celebrated it, and they celebrated it with a tree that was decorated with apples. And the apples, shiny red apples, eventually became replaced with shiny red ornaments. And, and so when you look at your tree and you wonder, why do we have to put the shiny red ornaments on our tree? It probably has something to do with going back to the tree of paradise, is what they called it. The tree that was in the Garden of Eden. And that's interesting. That's what got me thinking about this whole tree thing. Because the, the story of humanity is bookended with trees. So I want you, as you look at your Christmas tree, this Christmas and from now on, I want you to be able to remember why the red ornaments are on there and why these trees are so important to the Christmas story. And we're going to give you uh, an ornament for your tree to put on your tree so that you can remember this from now on because the story of trees is important. The Christmas story is just a small part of the big story. We're doing a series here about the big story. We're doing 31 weeks through the entire Bible so that you can see the puzzle picture and how the puzzle picture all goes together. It's hard to put it all together if you don't know the puzzle picture. And I'm going to do that for you today in, in one sermon using these trees because the Christmas story doesn't start in Luke 2 with the angels and the shepherds and the star. The Christmas story really starts all the way back at the very beginning. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. And mankind was the crown of his creation. And God wanted to have children so that he could have a relationship with them. And it says in Genesis 2 that God breathed into man the breath of life and man became a living being. Because man was supposed to be a special creature that God had a special relationship with. Tradition has it that when God, that when God asked man to name the animals, that, that Adam was pretty good at it at first, you know, really creative, orangutan, platypus, had all these great names going for a while, and then after a while he started running out, you know, because there's a lot of animals, and pretty soon a four-legged canine creature came by and he said, uh, dog. And God said, well, that works because that's my name backwards. <laughs> and then a cat walked by. Adam said, I'm out. Well, I got no more names. What should I name it? God said, I don't care what you name it. I didn't make that. That came from the devil. <laughs> That's what tradition has. I, I don't know for sure. So God put him in the garden and... Uh, and everything was perfect in the garden. There was harmony. There was no sin. There was no death. There were no problems. There were no disagreements. Sox fans, Cub fans living together in harmony. It was unbelievable. It was perfect. And they only had fun stuff to do in the garden. This was their job. God said, multiply and fill the earth. Yeah, and subdue it. You are the masters of the fish and the birds and all the animals. What do you got there, guys? Fishing, hunting, and, well, the kids are in here, procreating. <laughs> that was our job description, and they were naked, okay? That's all I'm saying. And if you think that's a guy's take on Eden, ladies, let me remind you that the relationship was perfect. There was no mother-in-law. <laughs> no ex-girlfriends, you know? 
It was like Daunton Abbey without the war or the corsets or that annoying Irish guy, right? If they had a DTR talk, a define the relationship talk, it went like this. You good? Yeah. You good? Yeah. I mean, that was true. That was it. Everything was perfect. And there were trees. And the Lord God made all kinds of trees grow out of the ground. In the middle of the garden was the tree of life and the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. The tree of life symbolized the presence of God. It symbolized this abundant life. And by abundant life, I mean no sickness, no cancer, and no mentally disturbed boys shooting innocent children. No hurricanes. No death, period. It was a life full of joy and peace and fulfillment. So as long as man stayed connected to the tree of life, he would have this perfect relationship with his spouse and his kids and his family and a perfect relationship with God, and he would live an abundant life forever, and it would be awesome. But God wanted to have a relationship with his children, and otherwise they're in, they're in prison, so he wanted to give them freedom of choice. So in order to give them freedom of choice, he put another tree in the garden. He says, you're free to eat of any tree of the garden, but you must not eat of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, for the day you eat of it, you will surely die. The day you eat of it, you will surely die. So Adam and Eve had a choice to make. By not eating of the tree, they had a choice. Because otherwise, there's no freedom of choice. If there's no freedom of choice, you're just a robot. You're just a pet. But they could choose to follow God. They could choose by not eating the apple. Of course, we know what they did. They made a choice not to listen to God. They made a dumb choice. And so now them and all of their family and all of their children, including us, have lost the right to have this blessed, perfect life. So the Lord God banished him from the Garden of Eden, and after he drove the man out, he placed him on the east side of the Garden of Eden. He placed on the east side of the Garden of Eden cherubim, that's a, a certain kind of angel, to guard the way to the tree of life. You see what they lost? They lost access to the tree of life. And the real tragedy is that from now on, Adam and Eve and all of their children would not be able to have the same relationship with God. They would not be able to be in a relationship with a holy God because it's impossible for a holy God to be around that which is not. Isaiah says, your sins have separated you from God. That's what happens. It's not God's fault. It's our sins. They've separated us. We cannot come into contact with that which is holy. So now, now there is death. Now there, there is no more tree of life. Now the, the earth is living under a curse. Or as the governor of Connecticut so aptly put it, evil has visited our community today. But God still wants us to be in a relationship with us, with him, because he still loves us. So he made a new place, a new garden, a new heaven where those of us who choose to want to be with Him can actually choose to go there and be with Him in a relationship with Him forever. And it will be perfect. Notice something. God did not get rid of the tree of life. He moved it. The tree of life is in the very beginning of the Bible and it's in the very end of the Bible. Revelation 22, the very end. The angel showed me the river of life, water of life, flowing from the throne of God. And on each side of the river stood the tree of life. There it is. Bearing 12 crops of fruit, one every month. It's always bearing fruit. And the leaves are for the healing. The healing that we need. The healing that the nations need. And no longer will there be any curse. Do you see what happened? The tree of life did not get 
taken down. It did not get cut down. It got relocated. And now that the tree of life is here, we should want to be here too because when we get here, the curse is going to be gone. And the healing will begin. And we will be home. Remember playing tag or, or one of those games where you need a home base when you were a kid? Wasn't home base often, wasn't it a tree? If I'm touching home, I'm safe, right? You know what I'm talking about? You can't touch me. I'm touching home base. Can you just use your imagination for a minute and try to understand that the story of humanity is about trying to get home to home base? Trying to get back to home base and it's a tree. That when the tree is uprooted from the garden and now there's death and there's mourning and crying and pain, that, that someday that will be gone because we'll be back at home base. Because God does not want us living with the pain of Newtown. He does not want us living with the pain of Hurricane Sandy. He does not want us living with the pain of a 16-year-old girl in a, killed in a car accident or the pain of whatever it is that's going on in your life. God doesn't want us to live in that. That's the result of the curse. But when we get to home base, God Himself will be with them and He will be their guide and He will wipe every tear from their eyes and there will be no more death or mourning or crying or pain because the old order of things it's gone. It's passed away. Home base is reestablished. Isn't this great? Eden will be reestablished. Now your only logical next question is, okay, well how do I get back to home base? Because I want to get there. And unfortunately the problem is still the same. The entrance requirements to the new Eden are the same as the old Eden. You have to be perfect. God still can't allow sin to be in here because it would contaminate it. So it says in Revelation that nothing impure will ever enter it, nor will anyone who does what is shameful or deceitful. Uh, anybody in here done anything shameful or deceitful? You can go ahead and raise your hand, because that's all of you. Okay? You on the internet, raise your hand. I see you. Here's the problem. You and I, when we show up with our bad attitudes and our bad behavior and our sinful nature, we can't show up in heaven or we're going to contaminate it. And I can tell you that the people that are already there do not want me and my junk up there in their business. So God had to come up with a way to decontaminate us, to get us back to home base. If somebody ever asks you, what's the Bible all about? Here's your answer. The Bible is about how God worked it out to get us back to the tree. God has always been in the trees, even in the Old Testament. God wanted to be as close to us as He possibly could. So He said, here's what I want to do. I can't be in your presence. You can't be with me because I'm holy and you're not, and it just won't work out. So here's what I want you to do. I want you to take a tree, and I want you to cut it down, and I want you to take some boards and make me a box. You put the Ten Commandments and some other stuff in this box, and I want you to cover it with gold so that it'll look really, really beautiful, and we'll call this the Ark of the Covenant. You may recognize this from Indiana Jones. This is, this, is, uh, this is the box where they put all that stuff. And God said, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to let that box represent me and my presence. And, and so whenever you travel around, you can carry this thing on poles, and you can carry it around, and it can go before you, and it will, it will symbolize my presence, and it will be with you. But notice, I want you to put, this is an exact replica, I want you to put angels on top. As a matter of fact, he said, I want you to put cherubim angels on top. 
the exact same angels that were protecting us from the tree of life in the very beginning in the garden. The same angels that were there to make sure that we don't try to get too close to a holy God because that's not going to work out very good. And he said, I want you to take this box and put it in the tabernacle. And then when you build me a temple, he said, put it in the temple and I'm going to be in this special room and, and nobody else can go into this special room except only the high priest when he's offered sacrifices for his sins and all the people. He can go in once a year and he can be close to me and, and I, will, I will tell him what I need to tell the people. That's the only way it worked. You couldn't get too close to, to, to God because he's the reality of sin. It just isn't going to work. But God always had a plan. He kept telling the people, someday, it won't be like this, someday the Messiah is coming. A, a person who will restore the relationship and fix everything. So when the time was right, somebody cut down another tree and made more boards and they made this. They made a manger. We had a little plastic nativity set when our kids were little because we didn't want them playing with our good stuff and breaking it. And, you know, because the kids always, if you've got kids, they always want to do this, right? They want to play the little Mary and Joseph thing. We were testing Becca, our youngest, one day on it, you know, when she was little. And, and we, you know, like, Becca, who is this? And that's Joseph. And who is this? That's Mary. And who is this? And she said, that's baby Jesus in his car seat. <laughs> It was really awkward because she was in high school, but you know, she's, she understands it now. It's not a car seat, it's a manger. It was a feeding trough for cows and it was made out of wood. I think that's really important. As a matter of fact, let's just read two a little bit Luke 2 just a little differently today. So Joseph also went to Bethlehem, the town of David, because he belonged to the house and line of David. And he went to register with Mary. And while they were there, the time came for a baby to be born. And she gave birth to her firstborn, a son. She wrapped him in cloths and placed him in a tree. It was a wooden manger. It was another tree. Almighty God said, I'm going to send my son to this life between the trees so that I can take the curse from this tree away and get you over to that tree. And that is the big picture story of Christmas. Unfortunately, the story of Christmas doesn't do us any good by itself. There had to be one more tree. Jesus couldn't just take a, a raid down to earth and rescue his people and take them back up to heaven because we're still contaminated by sin. So Jesus didn't just come for Christmas. Jesus came for Good Friday and Easter. And somebody had to take another tree and cut it down and make this so that the whole thing would finally be in completion. So that we could use this tree. We have to go through this tree so that we can get back to home base, which is that tree. Paul said it this way, Christ redeemed us from the self-defeating cursed life, absorbed it completely into himself. Paul says, do you remember that scripture says, and this is from Deuteronomy, cursed is everyone who hangs on a tree. And what happened when Jesus was nailed to the cross was that he became a curse. At the same time, he dissolved the curse of sin. And now because of that, the air is cleared and we are all able to receive God's life by his, and his spirit by believing in him. This is why I have hope to get to that tree. It's why I believe with all of my heart that the kids from Connecticut are at the, at the arms of Jesus and why I believe I will be with them someday. Paul goes on in Colossians and says it this way. This is the message paraphrase. All the broken and dislocated pieces of the universe, the people, the things, the animals, the atoms, they all get properly fixed and fit together in vibrant harmonies all because of his death. 
this blood that poured down from the cross by giving himself completely at the cross, actually dying for you. Christ brought you over to God's side and put your lives together. Listen, you're now whole and you're holy in his presence. You are now decontaminated from your sin when you have Jesus because of that tree. That's the story of the trees. But it's not just about heaven. I don't want you to think, well, gee, you know, I can't wait to get out of this cursed world so that I can get over to heaven. I mean, we should all feel that way. In some way, I am disappointed that the world didn't end on Friday. We should all be ready to go to the place where I'm going to be at home base again. That's what we should all want. But an easily missed fact of the, of the crucifixion is the fact that there was this one little thing that happened in the temple. It happened right in front of the ark, right in front of that tree over there. When Jesus died on the cross, the Bible tells us that the veil that was separating the Holy of Holies where the ark was, that the high priest could only go into once a year. And when he went in, they tied a rope around his ankle in case he had a heart attack while he was in there talking to God so they could pull him out because nobody else could go in there. That veil was ripped from top to bottom. Not by man, but from God. It's as if God took his hands down and he went, okay, now we can have our relationship. Not then, now. Yes, you're still going to live uh, in this cursed world. Yes, things are still going to be hard for you. There will still be tragedies and there will still be storms and there will still be imperfect relationships and heartache. Yeah, there will. But because of this tree... The Spirit of God can come and live inside of me now. And because of this tree, I know and understand that Jesus knows and understands me completely. He understands what it's like to be a human being. He understands our pain. Please understand that it was Jesus' birth that was another reason for a slaughter of innocent children by another mentally disturbed person named King Herod. And don't lose out on the fact that all of those children and all the children from Sandy Hook, I believe, are with Jesus right now. Because the prophet Zechariah said, in heaven, the city streets are filled with boys and girls playing there. As a matter of fact, if I can go back to my analogy, I believe they're playing tag with Jesus. And this is home base. I love this picture. Beautiful artist depiction of Jesus playing with the children. And I believe that's exactly what's going on right now. But let me remind you that you still have a part in this story. You have to choose to accept it. I know we love choices. I love choices. I, like, I don't like going to movie theaters where there's only one movie playing. I don't like going to church services where they only have one choice of times. This is ridiculous, but I don't like that, you know. <laughs> I like choices. I was on an overseas flight one time, and the airline attendant came to me and said, Hey, uh, would you like dinner? And I said, What are my choices? And she said, Yes or no. <laughs> I don't like that. I want choices, and I know you do too. And listen, I would love to stand up here and say, you know what, there are a lot of ways to get to the tree of life. But the, the truth of the matter is, there's only one way I know to get to that tree, and it's through the trees. That's the only way I know. 
Matter of fact, Revelation goes on and says, Nothing impure will ever enter it, nor anyone who does what is shameful or deceitful, but only the only people who get to go there are the people whose names are written in the Lamb's book of life. I believe, listen, I, I believe that all children, if they die, they're with Jesus because they haven't had a chance to, to understand and to make a choice for themselves. I, that's, what, that's, that's my theology. I just, I just do. But at some point we grow up and we have to make a decision. We have to understand that, that we have to make our own choice. To get, we have to make a reservation. And I don't like it when somebody tells me that there's not more than one choice. But my friends, that's all I can tell you. I only know one way and it's through the trees. Max Lucado writes, there's something about the cross. It just seems to, to, to demand a choice. You either step away from it or towards it. It's a watershed. It's the one thing you can't do is walk away from it neutral. That's what the cross does for us. You can like it or not, but it's the way it is. In the Garden of Gethsemane, Jesus agonized over this. Jesus did not want to do this. Jesus said, Father, if there's any way, take this cup away from me. Do you not think that Jesus was motivated to figure out another way to get us to that tree? He doesn't want to do this. If there was another way, Jesus would have figured it out. If you could get to that tree by living a good life, if you could get to that tree by following a religious system, Jesus would not have had to do this. But there wasn't another way. Because you have to go through the tree to get to the tree. Let me help you understand this story. My, my friend told me this story. Um, an allegory of the day when... God was up in heaven and, and Jesus and they were having Christmas gift drawing. You do that in your family where you, you, know, you pull out names and you give a gift to whoever it is that, that you're going to you know, get the name of. And, and they were doing this up in heaven because Christmas actually was in God's mind way before he ever made mankind. And so they were giving Christmas gifts and, and, and everybody was watching really with anticipation when Jesus stuck his hand in the jar because the angels were so excited. Jesus always gave the best gift. Jesus stuck his name in the jar and he pulled out a name and he looked at it and he smiled. And he walked up the sidewalk to the throne of God and secretly showed it to his father. And they both looked at each other without saying a word. And the father folded the piece of paper back and put it in Jesus' hand and nodded his head in approval. And after a, a long and tear-filled embrace one that you would usually give someone who was going away for a long time. Jesus turned and looked at the angels and waved at them. They did not know he was waving goodbye. That name that Jesus had drawn would be not revealed for many, many years in history, but when the time was fully come, he became a baby and came to earth to be in a manger to be in the tree. And the angels were sure that if this gift was so important that Jesus had to come to humanity to give it to humanity, it was going to be special and they were right. And God's dream for Christmas was coming true. Jesus left the, the splendor of heaven and the tree and the Father and He came down to a stable in Bethlehem. And he lived as one of us with our weaknesses and our limitations. And he did it without complaint because he was delivering a gift. And while he was on earth, he touched the untouchable, he healed the sick, he raised the dead. He challenged men and women to change their lives and live for the glory of his Father. 
But then one Friday, though he'd done nothing wrong, the religious leaders tricked the Roman government into deciding that Jesus needed to be killed. And they had a mock trial, and they hit him with their fists, and they spit on him, and they beat him with rods, and then they beat him with a whip. And they placed a crown of thorns on his head. And then when he was almost dead anyway, they made him carry a tree over to a place called Golgotha. And they laid it down and they laid him down. Actually, he crawled up on it. He stretched out his arms and his feet and they drove spikes into them and they nailed him to the cross and they put him up in the air for everyone to watch him die. Which six hours later, he did. And as Jesus' friends took his body off of the cross and laid it in the tomb of Joseph, they noticed something strange. Stuck to the palm of Jesus' hand was a piece of paper. It had a name written on it. Do you know whose name was on it? It was yours. Jesus did all of this for you. If you were the only person on the face of the globe, he would have gone through the trees to get you to the tree. Let's pray together. We're going to have communion. Jesus, we come to you right now in awe of Christmas. May we never look at a Christmas tree with those shiny red ornaments ever again. May we always remember that there was a bad tree that Adam and Eve and since then we have all decided to eat from. The tree of disobedience to you and it separates us from you. And now you have to be away from us because you are holy and you are perfect and we are not. But you fixed a way for us to be able to have a relationship with you again and to someday come to the place where the tree of life has been transplanted. And that because of the tree that you lay in as a baby and because of the tree that you crawled up and died on as a human being, We can now be freed from our sins. We can be whole and holy in your presence. Now and then. We can walk away from this service today knowing that our sins are forgiven. The only thing we've got to do is we've got to make a reservation. We have to make a choice. We have to decide to follow you. So Lord, if there are people in this room, and I know there are, people on the the web who are listening to me right now, Lord, will you help them to understand right now they need to make a choice and that in their heart they can turn to you and say, Jesus, I'm making a choice. I choose you. I choose the trees. I need you to die for me, for my sins, because I am not a perfect person, and I know that. Matter of fact, I am shameful and deceitful, and there's no way I can be in heaven. So purify me, decontaminate me. I accept you as my Lord and my Savior. Forgive my sins. And Lord, we're thankful that whoever believes in you will not perish but have everlasting life. And we all claim it today as we take these emblems of your body and your blood that were shed on that tree. May we remember the price you paid and may we be eternally grateful for returning us back to the tree. In Jesus' name I pray.